Welcome to the More Than Real Estate Podcast. We are excited to introduce this mini economic development series. Learn from different cities and townships on exciting developments, policies, and what is driving their economies. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Well, welcome, everybody, and thanks for coming. Uh, most of you should know me. I am Luke Bouillon, your president-elect for 2021 here at BDAR, and I'm joined today with Michelle Banfield, who is currently the Director of Development Services at the City of Barrie, overseeing all land use planning for uh, municipality and rapid growth phase. Uh, she is a registered professional planner with over 25 years of public and private experience and a big picture thinker, a strategic leader with expertise in policy and community building. Michelle has worked for municipalities across Canada and for the government of Bermuda, focusing on intensification and growth management. She has a degree in urban and regional planning from Waterloo and a Master's of Arts from Athabasca University. I think most of us know Michelle. She's joined us many times before to discuss a lot of the things going on in the city of Barrie, and we're always happy to hear from her. So, Michelle. Great. Uh, thank you very much for the introduction. And I am really happy to be here um, today. I love talking to this group. Uh, you were saying about uh, that I've spoken to you before. And I do, as I said, I do really enjoy uh, this group. So thank you again for inviting me. Um, and I'm just going to get started. I do have a short presentation and then I think Luke, you have some questions. And then as always, uh, anybody that even knows me a little bit knows I'm happy to just chat and hear what you have to say. So thanks again for, for the introduction. Uh, so uh, probably not news to all of you, but uh, certainly the city uh, is experiencing uh, not only uh, residential, but also job growth and uh, the province of Ontario uh, released numbers that we always had had population and job uh, forecasts to the year of 2041, but now uh, we have forecasts up to the year 2051. I think I've shown a version of this slide many, many times before, but I still always, as I said, love it in particular in the in the background of the picture uh, where as I always say to people you can see almost immediately where the city of Barrie ends and uh, are more rural on both sides of the of the lake and where uh, our more rural uh, municipalities start so um, you know I don't think there's anything um, more uh, clear than which this how this picture shows is just uh, is just how urban the city is uh, certainly in the context of Simcoe County. Uh, so 2020 my goodness I'm I, I'm sure uh, it was a year that none of us will uh, soon forget, but you know, we at the city really had um, a lot, a lot of work. Um, obviously not knowing what uh, the pandemic would do to the development industry, but um, certainly our experience from 2020, as well as, you know, what we're experiencing uh, going forward this year uh, is, is significant uh, development applications. Um, this year um, already, by the end of Q3, um, we'd already surpassed all of our um, application numbers from 2020, and we still have a quarter to go. Uh, so really full on, um, you know, in response to that, we have uh, definitely tried to, across the organization, hire uh, throughout the development services branch to try to kind of keep these applications moving, um, but it definitely um, has, been, has been busy. 
And of course, everything that we deal with at the city uh, from a staff perspective at any rate is really advancing council's uh, strategic priorities uh, and kind of all of our actions and our staff reports, everything kind of filters around that. And, you know, um, for, uh, for, for many of those uh, strategic priorities, uh, they fall into development services. And I mean, it was talk Lou talked about a bit of my bio, but, you know, development services um, kind of starts um, kind of on, on one side of the scale, policy development, um, analysis, strategic initiatives, moving through to the land use planning uh, team are also part of my team. I have a parks planning branch, a transportation planning branch. We have the um, engineering approvals that um, fall under um, our team, as well as just in January of last year, we added in traffic services, so uh, traffic calming, speed bumps. So the development services umbrella really touches so many of these council strategic priorities. Uh, one of the big documents uh, for sure that we're working on right now is the new official plan. And really the element of that is preparing the city for growth to that, that 2051 marker. Uh, so 30 years from now, um, we started the plan, uh, plan renewal uh, about three years ago, uh, back when we just actually had 2041 numbers from the province and then kind of halfway through um, we got 2051 numbers. So, you know, the intention of this plan is to be that foundational document to take us to the next 30 years. Um, but the true lifespan of, a, of an official plan really is around the five to 10 year mark. And so I keep saying to people, this document certainly is laying the framework to get us to 2051, um, but it certainly is not going to be our last official plan between now and 2051. But we've always tackled it as being a true um, new official plan, so not an update to our existing one. So there's definitely new language, new kind of community structure pieces to it. Uh, it's taking all of us some time to kind of get used to it and get acclimatized to the language. Um, but we're, um, we just had a town hall this week. So we are getting, I keep saying, we're getting closer to the version that we're going to present to council for adoption. And then that official plan is going to be the springboard for um, an update to our zoning bylaw. It's going to be a springboard for some urban design work and likely a whole bunch of other initiatives that are going to fall out of that. And so really the city, when you think about it from an official plan perspective, is there's uh, two ways, two areas that we you know, really can accommodate this growth. And so one element of it is what planners call the built up area which the easiest way to describe that is, um, is former city of Barrie, if you will. Uh, so that's where you see the downtown, the urban growth center, Allendale uh, has our, both of our go stations in it. Most of our industrial has the college and the hospital. Uh, and this is where you're going to definitely see 50% um, of our residential growth uh, is going to be in, in the built up area. And the densities are probably going to be split. You probably, this is the area where we're seeing the high rises being um, applied for, as well as uh, some of the more uh, townhouse type complex developments. And really, you're not going to be seeing a lot of low density development, new, new low density development in the built up area. And then the designated greenfield area really is also going to get 50% of the growth. It's just the way that we split it up. Um, and the and the greenfield area, for uh, the easiest way to describe that, is the land um, either in the Salem or Hewitt secondary plan areas, the land that we uh, did annex from the town of Innisfil. It's also going to see 50% growth. Um, and so by the 50% growth, I mean 
150,000 new people between now and 2051. The intention is 50% of those 75,000, give or take, are going to be in the built-up area, and the other 75 are going to be in the designated greenfield area, Salem and Hewitt's. That makeup is going to look a bit different. You see that there's going to be a little bit less high density there, less medium density, and this is going to be the area that you're going to see more of the traditional low density developments. So all of this, how it ties into, uh, again, a strategic priority of council and, and affordable um, affordability and affordable housing. Um, you know, we have reported this year, March of this year about um, against the affordable housing strategy and what what goes into making um, more affordable units in the municipality. And, you know, we did report on um, kind of the way the strategy was set up um, a number of years ago. Um, but, you know, at this point, I, I think probably all of you know as, as better, or at least as, as well as I do, that, you know, the on the ground affordability in the municipality um, remains a challenge and in some ways is worse than worse than ever. And um, again, I'm not sure how many all of you uh, follow uh, council and, and all that sort of thing, but you know, certainly had um, very recently did some amendments to our zoning bylaw to make um, some things easier from an affordable housing perspective, um, recognizing, um, you know, kind of if you wanted to put an affordable unit in an existing house and, and trying to kind of uh, grandfather some of those provisions, uh, we are looking at allowing um, residential properties, um, a residential development on some of our church and institutional or places of worship properties, a couple of things like that. Um, uh, one of the big things was talking about uh, creating some standards for the, the detached um, third suites, I guess, if you will. Um, and that uh, got a lot of attention for sure. Um, and, you know, made some council made some changes to uh, those standards. So um, lots of things kind of happening, lots of things on the radar. Uh, the mayor's also has done a task force to try to tackle some of this stuff um, as it relates to affordability. But um, it it is one of those kind of wicked problems that kind of the more we talk about it, uh, it does seem to be a bit of a challenge to, uh, to move on, move from. Um, downtown revitalization, um, I mean, to a certain extent, um, you know, the downtown does have a lot going on, um, but certainly we are seeing some uh, development projects, um, definitely in the urban growth center, lots of projects kind of coming down um, the pipeline, if you will, lots of projects at various stages of approvals. Um, and it really is going to add um, more residential units uh, in a high density kind of form, condominiums, that sort of thing, uh, as well as some additional floor area. So pretty exciting to see uh, some of the projects that are as I said, in various stages of growth. And then uh, I'm not going to um, go over these couple slides, but just kind of wanted to give you, uh, and I have said I will share these slides after uh, with you, but just kind of wanted to talk to you a bit about kind of the growth to expect um, in the Salem uh, secondary plan area, which is kind of more the westerly area of the city. Um, and as well, the same thing in Hewitt's, which is a little bit more like the Maple View Drive, a bit more of the easterly, southeasterly portion of the city. I think what's important to know is, as I said earlier, 50% of that growth is, is going to be in, in these areas, but at the same token, um, you know, these areas, we really are truly building complete communities because there's no roads and there's no services. So while the development of these projects are, isn't necessarily complex because there's not a lot of people living there and that sort of thing. Uh, it really is from the from the ground up. So there is definitely some complexities and, and those things are, are definitely taking time 
Um, and, you know, employment land is a big part of it. The growth plan has always said it's not just about having extra residential properties, but also um, enough uh, land for um, employment lands, which full stop is a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge for us. I'm sure if any of you are in that wheelhouse, you will agree with me. Um, we did do um, an employment land strategy, uh, myself and uh, Stephanie Schlichter, the uh, business development director, uh, trying to see, uh, you know, if we can move some things along to try to help some of these larger parcels of employment land. Um, you know, notwithstanding what I said about uh, things in the secondary plan areas being uh, complex, uh, quite frankly, the remaining um, vacant employment land properties are also complex, um, certainly in, from a transportation perspective, uh, as well as uh, some of the natural environment. Some of these properties have lots of trees on them. And, and so um, it's not like a lot of these sites are shovel ready. It is a priority of council and it is something that Stephanie and I work really closely on trying to advance some stuff, although it does seem like it, sometimes it takes forever to do things. Uh, and, you know, certainly this, the face of the city, I've, you know, I've said in terms of the city itself and the development and growth that we're seeing, um, it's different than what, uh, you know, kind of was here traditionally. And even like if you talk about it full stop from a built form perspective, you know, a municipality that, uh, you know, was predominantly single detached homes, um, you know, has certainly transitioned into seeing uh, more townhouse uh, built forms, low rise apartments, some high rise apartments. Um, and then what comes with that are obviously different price points and then what comes with that then is different people coming into the community so it is something that um, is on our radar in the context of uh, you know it's one thing to have the uh, the different elements of diversity but how do we truly make it into uh, being a little bit more inclusionary and um, like many organizations uh, many community organizations it is definitely a work in progress um, but it is definitely something that um, is important to to all of us as as uh, as not only city staff but Barry residents and certainly for council. So, my goodness, like we had to like everybody else, we had to kind of shift on our uh, do a complete kind of uh, one eighty when when COVID hit and uh, from a from a the perspective of how we always had so many face-to-face -face meetings, either um, like actual meetings or uh, consultations, community consultations, open houses, all those sorts of things. And again, I, I think I'm preaching to the choir there. So I, I understand probably, or you probably understand um, as well as I do, uh, we really did have to shift. And so it's interesting how, um, you know, we, we did, I guess, from a municipality's perspective, um, you know, we, uh, moved relatively quickly into the virtual setting for meetings, um, both kind of just our actual technical meetings as well as um, meetings with council and meeting with meetings with committees, um, and including heading out into the um, the territory of actually doing some of our statutory public meetings virtually and what that meant. Um, and you know, different municipalities approached it differently. I know certainly with some of my planning director peers, a few of them said, well, I don't want to, I don't want to switch to virtual just yet. I'm just going to kind of wait and see. And so I guess my, uh, my perspective was like, wait and see for what? Like, I don't, and thank goodness we didn't, because seriously, I don't think anybody, if you were waiting to see, would expect that we'd still be in the situation we're in right now. So I'm glad that we actually kind of took, um, took really proactive work, uh, not just with ourselves, but also with our clerk to 
move those meetings uh, virtually and, um, you know, have definitely been able to kind of continue on um, with a lot of um, those sorts of things. If you haven't already um, registered at buildingberry.ca, it's a great way to just be aware. It doesn't only update you on things like the official plan, but anytime the, the, the municipality is doing any sort of outreach or engagement, uh, it usually is from that platform. And if you are a registered user, then you get updated on all those kind of great things. So just a, a bit of a summary for us, as I said, um, all of us have, where we're, we should all, I guess, just pat ourselves on the back that we're all still standing and we're all still upright. Uh, you know, it's been certainly busy for everyone in different ways. Uh, as I said, all of our meetings went virtually quite soon. I mean, at one point, I know I was asked to be on a panel with my planning association. I think it was early June and they wanted to talk about virtual meetings and I said I would do it. And then when it came time to prep for the panel, I was like, well, I've actually only done two by the time the panel came I was like I would have had two public meetings uh, virtually so I was like, I'm, I'm hardly an expert um, but as I was talking to my IT direct the director of IT he said but in COVID times if you do something once like you're an expert kind of thing so uh, you know so as I said we definitely um, uh, moved moved quickly to that uh, our team and most of the city Barry team is still working remotely um, and um, that I don't have a date of when that is going to change. There are still obviously some uh, some city staff that go into City Hall on a more regular basis, depending on what they do. And certainly all of the team um, that are part of my team that are field workers have, have kind of kept uh, being out in the field. Um, so uh, from that perspective, it's, it's quite something. But as I said, we continue to certainly have a lot of um, robust development interest and um, and it's just kind of keeping us all 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 very busy so you know kind of the numbers that we're looking at again I think I'd said the 298,000 people the 150,000 jobs that growth is going to be split up uh, in in those two areas of the municipality but the the official plan really is the guiding document of that um, you know we um, are seeing certainly lots of applications for intensification and, and that's such a big word. It can mean in some situations, it could be those third suites, like just having a, a second suite and a third suite in your house and some of the more traditional um, uh, subdivisions, if you will, uh, versus, uh, you know, in some other areas, it could mean, uh, you know, a few single detached homes being purchased for a townhouse block or a small apartment, all the way to, uh, you know, what we're seeing in the urban growth center, uh, you know, the, the smart centers proposal, the, um, uh, the Barry theater block, lack houses under development kind of intensification really can take all sorts of scales. And, you know, ultimately that built form piece and the urban design piece just really is, um, is, is uh, it all goes hand in hand, I guess. So you can't kind of have one without the other um, and it's not intensification at all costs. And so much of what we do is a lot of back and forth um, with um, the applicants and, and really just trying to make sure that um, the projects that ultimately get approved, um, you know, kind of factor in all of the all of the pieces as we talk about getting all the, the puzzle pieces of the city together. So that's um, all I really have in terms of my kind of formal uh, formal presentation. I think I was asked to keep it uh, around the 10, 15 minute mark. I'm about 17 minutes, so I'm a little bit past that. Um, but hopefully um, you were able to uh, to follow along. And um, now I'm happy, Luke, for some of your questions or discussion questions. It's I will turn it sure, back to yeah. you. 
you always do such an in-depth job with your presentation that you see the thunder for most of my questions. I'm hitting you scratching them off as we go through. I'm like, well, she already answered that. But oh, that's no, okay. no. <laughs> no, no, I that appreciate it very worst, much. That makes it worse, then. That means that they no, are the no, ones that are left with the hard ones. No, no, that's okay. That's totally fine. I really appreciate it. Um, I will just maybe probably get you to read it a couple of things, and I'm sure we'll get some questions from the audience as well. But um, And I know you, you did touch on employment lands, um, but can you tell me a little bit just maybe in your own words about what kind of the top economic priorities are for the city? Um, and, you know, when we talk about 298,000 new people, obviously, we know that people are just going to come. But when we talk about 150,000 new jobs, that requires a bit more effort to kind of stage that, if you will, right? So what is the city looking at in terms of attracting those jobs? Um, are, you know, are, are reporting job creators or you know, what, what is the city doing and what can realtors tell people moving to town about what's being done to kind of bring that into the city? Yeah, no, I mean, and I know uh, for this, this series as well, you've had probably a mix of either planning directors or development directors, as well as um, some of the economic development folks. So I'm sure there's a spin depending on who you're, who you're speaking to. But, you know, fundamentally, um, you know, from the planning director's perspective, um, you know, one of the things that I do the most um, for employment land um, and economic development really um, is trying to preserve those, um, trying to preserve employment lands. Like the reality is, is uh, residential development in the city of Barrie is very lucrative. And that fundamentally is what, for the most part, everybody wants to build. Everybody wants to build more houses. And so for me, a lot of what I do is saying, okay, well, we can't build houses everywhere. We really have to kind of preserve some of those, um, uh, those pieces and for, of land for other uses. So, you know, council itself has identified growing the economy as one of their um, strategic priorities, making it easier for people to do business um, and that sort of thing. So, you know, um, the strength of our economy still remains at the city um, is, is a bit of the diversity piece that we can definitely pull on. Um, but again, we really, um, back to my first slide, we are uh, the urban center. Uh, so we really do act as, um, you know, the regional hub um, of Simcoe County. And so there's definitely lots of uh, services and jobs that um, are provided in the city uh, to the surrounding communities just by veer, uh, virtue of our size. Um, but the economic development team really is led by Stephanie Schlichter, and I'm sure many of you know her, know her name. I know she's spoken to you before as well. So, you know, they're really focused a lot on, um, on job creation. It is about, uh, they do so much as it relates to trying to find jobs for people in the city. So trying to kind of stop some of those um, reverse commutes, I guess, if you will. And at the same token, you know, making sure uh, that there is land available when people want to come and develop. Um, and, you know, ultimately making sure then that those residents or sorry, those businesses actually can, um, uh, can have, <laughs> have people to, to work there. And then the people that come to make sure that they're uh, able to um, find a place to live and stuff. So, you know, the city, um, Steph's group also, you know, works very closely with the BIA and the and works um, closely on, um, you know, trying to um, develop the downtown as well and and work uh, work on that as well. And then, um, you know, really it is about um, trying to to tie those um, whether it's through. Um, employment programs or retraining programs. It's really about trying to, uh, you know, figure out what the, the, the needs are and then trying to embrace either new residents, um, you know, those sorts of things. Um, in terms of realtors and the kind of the message 
that I guess you can share. I mean, certainly um, City of Barrie's Invest Barry does have a, a website present, a, a web presence, and there is a talent um, uh, talent brochure that's both in hard copy and digital copy that talks about the community and those sorts of things. Um, and I know that, you know, your group also does a lot um, to showcase kind of life in, in this area. So, um, and then at the same token, um, you know, trying to uh, build and make people aware of the, the entrepreneur network, I guess, if you will, uh, in the city as it relates to, um, you know, the sandbox or the small business center, the Chamber of Commerce, Georgian College, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, there's just so many resources out there and so many people that would be able to, um, to want to help any of your, your clients um, and uh, to find out more about business in the city. Sorry, it's a long-winded answer, but <laughs> we're no, doing really a lot and, and I work closely with Steph and Steph, I know Steph's team does a lot as well. No, I appreciate it. Um, a lot of the questions that uh, were sent in do center around that kind of thing, whereas, you know, what's being done to court new businesses or expand business and whatnot, which I think is more questions for Stephanie. So I won't kind of bog you down with too much of those. I'm no, sure no, we'll be no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, well. for sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, like that is always something that's obviously on, you know, on the minds of people in Barry's, you know, what, again, what were we doing to either expand local businesses or, you know, do we have business accelerators? Are we, are we doing things to promote kind of local businesses to step up and become those major employers in the area, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, the city um, introduced an employment land strategy, as I said, we did that, um, that was talking about trying to get um, parcels shovel ready. Um, and a lot of that does tie into uh, infrastructure. Uh, for and I mean for any of you that are you know work with anybody looking for you know raw land or what have you like the infrastructure expenses are, are not insignificant by any stretch of the imagination um, and you know the city also uh, Steph's group also has, has looked at you know trying to get um, we had some summer students on board trying to do the business data survey um, to try to figure out you know kind of uh, get I guess get a pulse um, of what's kind of going on um, and then you know invest Barry team definitely kind of work on site selection which you know tends to be a bit of a challenge they work with us very closely but it does just based on the sheer volume is is a bit of a challenge um there still is obviously the small biz, business center and as i said i mentioned the sandbox and then all the stuff as it relates to georgian college and the henry burnick center again there's just um there just are a lot of resources out there that um that as i said either the your association can kind of tap into or you know specifically your your clients absolutely um, and obviously through this planning process, you know, this is a, a multifaceted process that takes quite a long time and has a lot of opportunity for public input, but can you give us a little bit of kind of um, what are the best ways for either realtors or other community stakeholders to kind of get involved and give their input into the planning process? Yeah, for sure. I mean, planning um, in planning by nature, like true kind of land use planning is a public process. So everything, the only time, and this may be of interest to you, the only time that we, um, from a planning perspective, keep anything confidential is, or not confidential, but in the context of what we actually have to release, um, we don't release any details on pre-consultations. So pre-consultations are those types of applications that sometimes, and again, you might all be familiar, so apologies if this is not news to you, but you know, if you've got a client that says, I want to buy this property but I want to make sure I can do X, Y, and Z on it. And you could come in and do a pre-consultation. You could get some preliminary comments um, that are quite robust, actually, in terms of whether or not you'd be able to do what you want to do. Um, those pre-consultations, because so many of them are part of land deals or because so many of them are, you know, kind of tire kickers, I guess, if you will, 
we don't release those details. So, um, and it's not an uncommon in particular for some of the, if you, if you even in your minds, think about some of the vacant sites that we have to have two, three, four pre-consultations because it just depends on who's looking at it. So all of those things, and if we thought about doing kind of engagement on all of those concepts, I mean, the neighborhoods would be up and down. Oh, that's, that's real. Oh, that's not, oh, that's right. So we don't actually share stuff until it comes to uh, the next step would be a neighborhood meeting. So when someone wants to move to a neighborhood meeting, we have a pretty good idea that they're serious. Uh, and then, you know, everything that we do from a consultation perspective is, um, uh, you know, formal letters to people within a, a particular pro property radius, um, signs on the property. Um, so those signs that you see across the municipality, there's a change proposed for this site, that sort of thing. Tons of information on our city's website in terms of um, as soon as something goes to a neighborhood meeting, there'll be a spot for it on the website, there'll be a planner assigned to it, you'll know who to call. All of the details that they've given us will be on the website, all their studies. Um, and then, you know, the, the formal formal public meeting, I guess, if you will, is, is still uh, enshrined in the Planning Act. And those, again, are the, the, the meetings you see kind of on Tuesday nights at Planning Committee. Um, and those meetings you can just listen to or you can register to speak, you can always send in letters. It really depends, I guess, on um, you know, how much you want to get involved. And of course, planning applications go from vacant land to all the way down to, to site plans. So there's just different areas of, of what you're interested in. But what I always kind of say to people, a couple of things, like um, if there is a sign that you see on the property, then that means something has been submitted for real, like not just speculation. Um, so it's always easy to track that down on the website and all that information is, is organized by ward. Uh, we also do have a planner of the day service that you could uh, email or call um, planner of the day and there's always someone um, manning the phones and the emails um, that also has been quite busy lately so while we you know our normal service level is to try to get to some back to someone in the day the same business day i mean if someone's submitting something a question at four o'clock on a day that there's been lots of calls you're not going to probably hear back realistically um, but that's also there to, to find out more information and then ultimately councils the approval authority. Um, so, you know, anytime anything goes to council, you have the opportunity to, um, to make a deputation at council. Uh, another thing that, you know, we hear a lot about, it's also a public process and, and probably the same with you guys hear a lot about it is the committee of adjustment. And that is to, for the most part, to create single lots or one or two lots. Um, and then minor variances, which are just what they say, tiny, ish variations to uh, the zoning standards that wouldn't necessarily warrant a full zoning bylaw amendment. Um, and those are also um, public public processes. I mean, ironically, some of those permissions or things that people are requesting at minor variances or at the Committee of Adjustment are, are pretty small scale. And those tend to be, though, the ones that we actually hear more people from and, and that sort of thing. But as I said, anything that's an actual formal application, um, it is available on our website and it's a public information and you don't need to do a freedom of information to get any of that kind of information. Uh, and again, the only thing that we do uh, keep um, confidentially is, uh, is the pre-cons. So you can have clients come in and, and kind of kick tires and try to find information out and know that, um, uh, know that people aren't going to hear about it, I guess, if you will, until it becomes real. Uh, and in the same way, if say you had one client come in and do a pre-con and then said, okay, well, I don't want to do, like, I've got another client now and they just want all the other pre-con comments. You know, we don't give those out unless, you know, um, 
the other owner agrees to, to release those comments. So that's the one thing that we kind of keep tight to our chest um, for all the reasons I said earlier, but for the most part, um, planning and all of our documents um, are, are definitely available for everybody to take a look at. Great. Do you want to, we'll do some audience questions. Sure, sure. please. In. And I'm sure you can't read them, Luke, from where you're standing. <laughs> okay, so are there any large companies coming to Barry within the next one to two years that you could share? Um, so no, um, I, I should say that's the other thing that Stephanie will always say to me, uh, so much of what Stephanie does and so much of what um, uh, she does is, is also confidential because uh, for all sorts of reasons, usually uh, business competition uh, reasons, um, but we definitely have had um, conversations with, um, with I guess what I would say, I mean, now FedEx is here, but FedEx, FedEx as an example, like when we had started talking to them, um, you know, they were all like, oh, we can't say anything. We don't want anyone to know. And, you know, we're not going to do a ribbon cutting. And so for the most part, uh, any of those kind of big companies um, keep things pretty, pretty tight to their chest. So no, sorry. <laughs> um, can you share some of the new zoning terminology being explored? I heard one type being considered called community zone as an example. So we haven't really started talking about um, zoning. So um, right now the project that we are working on is the official plan. And so from a terminology perspective, uh, the official plan is we talk about designations. So you will have um, designations in the official plan. And then those designations um, get broken down into different zones. And so we haven't done any of the zoning uh, bylaw update work because ultimately it's going to implement the official plan. So 100% in the official plan, there's, there's definitely new terminology. I haven't there's a um, neighborhood area, um, there's community hubs. So there's a couple, there is a couple of new terminologies um, out there, I guess, if you will. Um, and there's urban growth center, there's um, community hub, that was it. Okay, I see that popped up. So community hub, um, for lack of the easiest way to talk about a community hub are things like um, community centers, um, churches, uh, schools. And um, I actually really like that designation because it's, um, well, it seems a little bit, uh, the, the option is institutional. So, I mean, already I think it's got a better name by calling it a community hub. Um, but what it also does is uh, speaks more to, uh, you know, let's just say one day the church isn't there or the school isn't there. Um, uh, not so much the community center, we're pretty solid with our stuff, but uh, it does actually offer some opportunities for um, uh, for mixed use development, residential, commercial, those sorts of things um, based on where you are. So there is a bit of a scaling factor there, but it really is about, um, you know, recognizing one, if those sites are existing, um, you know, they really do provide as I said, a community hub or a community center, um, whether you're a school or a church or a place of worship uh, or a community center, but ultimately looking at if they no longer continue to be those, um, then uh, what else can what what else can that turn into? I guess so. So anyway, so there is definitely new terminology in um, the official plan, and then ultimately it's going to be uh, it's it is going to filter down to the zoning bylaw. A neighborhood in the official plan, for example, like a community hub, is not necessarily all one zone in terms of the zoning bylaw that still may be no. broken up. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and we haven't quite got there yet. So I'm not exactly sure what that, and in fact, actually we were having some help with um, the OP from a consultant as well as um, the help with the zoning bylaw. And that was actually one of my questions to them. I'm like, show me what this, uh, so show me a, a spine, I guess, if you will, of this zoning bylaw, because again, now I'm a bit more familiar with the OP because I've been working on it for the last couple of years, but for sure, the terminology is different. And again, if you're so used to things like, oh, that's highway industrial or, oh, that's business park. And then, you know, to have someone, you know, have us come along and say, well, that's not how we're classifying things anymore. Um, I get that it's, um, I get, I guess that I get that the terminology, but we'll, that's a good point though, Stephanie. And we'll, we'll try to make sure that that's um, very, very clear for people um, kind of going forward and exactly loop the, the, um, the zoning bylaw one designation. And that's the way it is right now. Like if the official plan could have a residential designation, but we have like eight residential zones, right? So it's just kind of broken up more specifically. And it'll be, we're trying to to be honest, philosophically, we're trying to streamline that. Like we prefer not to have eight residential zones and um, you know, that kind of thing. We are trying to kind of streamline it a little bit more so that, um, you know, and again, you you guys know better than I do when you're calling me up and saying, How can I, how come I can do whatever bakery here, but I can't do it across the street or, you know, what have you and trying to say, yeah, you're right. Like really what's the difference? But right now it's the rules that we're playing with. So we are trying to um, to make it more flexible. Awesome. Um, what are the infrastructure plans for electric, electric, oh my gosh, too many big words in one sentence, <laughs> electrification of cars and plans for walk-friendly communities versus drive to everything? Yeah, I mean, so much, and I say this, when you talk about the back and forth that I do with um, the development community and applicants all the time, because I think, again, I said to you, the residential um, piece is just lucrative it's just a good it's good for the performa so you know every kind of um application comes in with someone saying to me you know um hey i've got this group of townhouses and fundamentally there's nothing wrong with townhouses uh in some sites they're 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 too dense and in other sites are probably not dense enough but just using townhouses as an example um i'll be okay so then where is this where are they going to get a coffee and where are they going to um work and you know that kind of thing and so the best way to describe it is i always say to people um I get it. You have your site. So you're looking at your site and then you come to us and I'm, I'm the director. I have to look beyond your site. So, um, you know, what we talk a lot about, um, is walkability and kind of what can you get, where can you walk to, um, in, uh, about five or 10 minutes, I guess, if you will. So we kind of take a look at, um, you know, so we don't, we say to someone, yeah, you don't need to put a coffee shop on your site. Um, if you can show me that, you know, within 500 meters, um, someone's going to be able to walk to get a coffee or there's, or something else. So there, so the kind of the terms that you might hear are things like complete communities and mixed uses and mixed use development. Um, all those uh, kind of our terminology pieces that really tie into kind of what you're talking about. Um, adding more bike lanes. Um, another term you might hear is like road diets, which really kind of mean kind of taking off on-street parking and, and try to make trying to make those into um, active transportation links for either multimodal or like uh, dedicated bike lanes. So we, we do that. Um, in terms of electrification, um, you know, we definitely talk about, um, you know, at some of the city buildings and, and even some of the newer developments, you know, making sure that there's um, the opportunity to have the, the plugins and, and those sorts of things. So there's a whole bunch of things that kind of all kind of come together. Um, 
at various stages. Uh, sometimes they're city initiated, um, like bike lanes and those sorts of things. And sometimes they're just a product of, of what is being proposed. Great, okay, our last question from the audience is, what is your plan to prioritize, protect and preserve our environment during these developments and population growth? Yeah, so it is, um, again, <laughs> I was gonna say to you, every, every part of my job, there's a give and take, right? And so absolutely the environmental, the natural, you know, we kind of, the term you, you might hear is natural heritage. And that really means almost anything. So that can mean, um, you know, something as, as minor as, you know, some like a woodlot, I guess, if you will, those usually aren't minor. Uh, it can be a creek, it can be a wetland, you know, all those sorts of things. So, you know, fundamentally, regardless of what we try to, to the best of our ability, have that reflected in our planning documents, our OP and our zoning. Um, but at the end of the day, everything has to be ground truth. So the maps are done at a much higher level. And so when people come into us, um, you know, one of the first things they have to do is develop, is establish their development limits. And then beyond that, uh, usually it's okay, here's the development limit. And then usually there's a buffer and that kind of sets the, sets the stage for, you know, what is actually developable. And then, um, you know, as the project moves through the approvals process, kind of one of the last stages is that the city gets that land. So if it's, if it's dedicated, uh, it's dedicated environmental protection land, right? So um, it comes into our, um, ownership and depending on the nature of it, sometimes we just kind of sit there and, and kind of manage it. Sometimes we put trails through it. It really kind of depends. I think the biggest thing about the natural environment though is just that um, it really has to be part of a system and kind of taking like a tiny corner on every single site isn't going to be meaningful um, in the same way as getting big chunks of land. Um, and it's, it's common knowledge, like there really isn't an element of where people don't expect to um, to get that. Um, and I think there's a public perception, you know, about, um, you know, kind of paving paradise or whatever to put up a parking lot. But, you know, fundamentally, anybody that's done any application work with any of the conservation authorities, because in the city, we have two um, that depending on where you are, either the uh, Lake Simcoe region or the Nottawasaga Valley Conservation Authority. I think anybody that actually has done work with the conservation authority would probably feel differently um, about, um, you know, their experience in terms of, um, you know, having having those development limits uh, connected. Um, but then, as I said, so it is really definitely a give and take. So, uh, as I said, the conservation authorities we work really closely with um, to make sure that development um, doesn't impact uh, the environment and it's also a combination of it's just not enough to just kind of stay out of it you also have to show that your development isn't going to negatively impact it you can say if i'm staying out of the wetland yet i'm draining all my sewer sewage as an example which would never happen but uh, unless it was an accident um if you're draining everything to the wetland well that's not that's negatively impacting it so it's a combination of you can't just stay out of it and you also actually have to make sure that you're not um, impacting it in a negative way so um, again uh, lots of that stuff and then just kind of generally speaking you know certainly spending lots of time uh, certainly in the secondary plan areas uh, you know building new parks ultimately planting more trees those kind of general more general things and again trying to um, expand our uh, transport, uh, active transportation, so trail network and bike network, all those sorts of things kind of tie in together. Awesome. 
Um, obviously, you know, you, you alluded to some of the challenges you faced uh, internally in terms of COVID and how it changed, you know, meeting formats and whatnot. Um, on the ground, obviously, we've noticed a severe uptick in the out-migration from the GTA to this mm -hmm. area. Um, yeah. Stuff that we kind of, you know, we knew was happening over the next maybe 10 years or so that's really kind of accelerated um, through this process. How has that affected the way you shape the official plan in terms of timelines and, and what's planning to happen? Is it, has, it, has it changed anything or is it just kind of we were planning for this anyway? It's a little sooner, but it's happening. What's, how, what's your view on it? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, fundamentally, uh, some of the growth that we've ex been expecting hasn't necessarily happened as quickly, uh, which fundamentally is probably a good thing. Um, but when you think about, and I wasn't at the city at the time, but when people think about, you know, annexing the land from Innisfil in 2009-ish, um, you know, probably wouldn't have thought that it would be 10 plus years before we're actually seeing people live in that those communities right so in some respects um you know we're well poised in terms of a approvals perspective for for the the development community um particularly in salem and hewitt's to kind of just um kind of get get with the program and build the houses and and literally they, they are coming right so there's that element um of it uh, obviously we're seeing extreme um variations in price points um as you are, are as well we have seen uh, you know a, a, a bit of a uptake on these third dwelling units the the detached dwelling units uh, in a way that um you know probably didn't materialize in the way that council um envisioned um and so certainly having some kind of community reaction to that um I think some of the things that we're starting to hear about as well is um, kind of the repurposing of some of the buildings. So repurposing of some office buildings that maybe aren't as occupied as people thought, uh, repurposing of some of the retail buildings that aren't, um, you know, as occupied as, as they may, as they once were. We haven't really seen anything kind of materialized, but we definitely have been having some of those kind of conversations. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, I think it's good. I think we're in a good position from that residential side of things. Um, and then again, we have some areas that, um, you know, could, could be revitalized, I guess, if you will, or reimagined. And I think we've got some of those sites that um, are ready to, to tackle that as well. Um, if you could pick out one thing from this plan or just that you're aware of coming together in the city that you're most excited about personally, what would it be? Well, you know, I, I, I like um, the urban feel of things that we're, we're experiencing. I like that we are, um, you know, being poised to grow um, for both people and jobs and, you know, becoming increasingly urban. That, I always kind of say, I'm probably a good planning director for that type of environment. I probably wouldn't be as great um, in a more rural area. Um, but so for me, just continuing, continuing to see, um, the and, and why I think the urban piece and when I just talk about urban tall buildings mix of uses why, why I think that's exciting is because um, it's all about creating the critical mass of people to then um, broaden the range of services and businesses and and I think that's also going to um, increase accessibility and efficiency of public transit so again I think what I'm mostly excited about is, is thinking about very um, Kind of growing up i guess a little bit and there are definitely growing pains and you know again even when i kind of do again that push and pull with developers or the development community you know well we never had to do this before or you never needed a road widening this much before and all those sorts of things because they're just a product of 
well, I didn't need a bike lane everywhere before. I didn't need to make sure that um, a bus was going to be able to access. So there's a couple of things um, from that perspective that, um, you know, as I said, are a bit of a push and pull. Um, but I would say, generally speaking, um, looking at um, making the city, as I said, in the right areas. And, I, and when I say urban, I don't actually mean I want skyscrapers everywhere. I mean, um, you know, um, some tall buildings and some critical mass and some key areas, um, while at the same time, because if we if we do that, um, then we have areas um, like some of our uh, state more stable. If you, I, hate, I don't really like that term, but the stable neighborhoods that don't have to experience the growth. Mm -hmm. Allendale, the historic area, doesn't necessarily have to experience the growth because we have it in the urban growth center. We have it around the transit, the two go stations, um, you know, those sorts of things. So it's about kind of putting that urban urban feel and critical mass in the right place. Um, and then some of the pieces that kind of come out of that. Um, and yeah, and I mean, I think right now we're looking at doing some, some work on our waterfront and doing a bit more studying. We have a, a heritage park master plan. So some of those projects are pretty exciting too, because again, it kind of ties into, um, you know, you have more people um, in, um, in the same area and it, it, and it just creates an energy. Yeah, you know, it's certainly interesting to see how the downtown is going to reshape a little bit, right? Especially, I mean, that's probably one of the areas that'll see. I mean, obviously, there's there's areas that are going to see more change, but one of the things going to see the most difference in terms of their current build structure, right? I mean, they just approved what was it, 46 or 48 stories for that building on the Smart Centers parcel there. Yeah, so Smart um, Centers is a smidge over 40, yeah, 42 uh, there, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, for sure. I mean, that's, a, that's a first for the city of something that tall though, right? So that's going to be, you know, do you think that's a one-off or are we going to see a lot more of buildings that size downtown? So, you know, what I always say to people, because, you know, people come to me and say, hey, Michelle, I'm thinking about buying this property and doing whatever. And I do always say to them that they should never, ever take a previous approval as um, an indication that future approvals are forthcoming. So I, I do say that every um, every approval um Every application has its own nuance, and um, and again, it always sounds. I always feel like I'm I'm sounding really cagey when I say it, but like 40 stories in in one on one site uh, might make sense for all the reasons that we we put in our staff reports, uh, whereas 40 stories in another site may not. Um, I don't. I think that if you talk to again smart centers, they probably would say to you that they. They fought for every single inch of that building. And so, um, so no. So I, I don't necessarily think that we're going to see tons of 40 story buildings. Um, I think, you know, we definitely are seeing lots of applications around the 25 ish, like 20 to 25 ish stories. Uh, and then I usually always kind of say um, that usually ties to how the math works and the performer works and stuff but uh you know it's like it's not my it's not worth going to 15 i need to go to 25 or what have you um but again i am not opposed to height i mean I, I think buildings look great um you know fundamentally the viewscape um of a tall building from the ground is is you know everyone always says like after a certain level it really doesn't matter um because you're just looking up and but the fundamental is what what happened what what looks it, you can see it you might not be able to see it from the ground but you'll be able to see it from essa or you'll be able to see it from georgia or you'll be able to see it from the water um so you know the buildings have to um have to look good so i do think we'll see more more high high rise i don't actually think we'll see tons of 40 stories um and i don't think that um as i said i don't think that the one one approval at that height um by any way means that councils like bring on the 40-story buildings like that that would not be I don't think a correct assumption fair enough um I think there was one more question I just saw come in there from the audience Danielle 
Yep. So since garden suites are permitted now in Barrie, have you seen any obstacles that property owners are facing as they explore this option if they decide to add this to their property? Yeah. So, I mean, so, so you could always have at the city Barry for the longest time, you could always have a second suite and that second suite could either be in your lower level or it could be in a detached building. So that was always the case for, for quite some time. Uh, certainly even predates my time uh, at the city. And then, um, you know, around 2019, um, the Ford government did the bill 108 and that said, um, actually that municipalities have to allow a second suite uh, in the house and then also a third a third suite in a detached unit. So we always were able to have two, then, you know, kind of around the end of 2019, we were able to have three. And so initially there wasn't, you know, for the first little bit, there actually wasn't too many issues from a neighborhood perspective or property owner perspective. Um, but then as more and more of the third suite started um, being created, um, you know, definitely, we heard a lot from some of the communities, um, the, the neighbors, that sort of thing, because anything that's permitted in a planning perspective and anything that meets the zoning standards and anything that can get a building permit, there's not even a lot of public consultation on it. So, you know, people were kind of like sitting there minding their own business and the next thing they knew their neighbor was putting a a dwelling unit kind of right in the rear yard. So um, part of the amendments that just happened at council were to try to, um, try to stop some of that, I guess, if you will, and say, hey, is, does every, should every house have one? Um, so, you know, first off, if you're, you know, if it's someone that's saying that they're looking at doing it, uh, the first thing they should do is look at the new zoning bylaw that was just passed because uh, it puts some restrictions on whether you could have a basement, what, how big it could be, how far from the property lines, those sorts of things. Um, and then, you know, really take a look, you know, can you fit the extra parking space? Can you, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a Lego Jenga kind of perspective of that not every site or not every um, property um, most likely would be suitable for a, um, a detached unit. Um, so, and I think again, the, the whole idea of Bill 108 was to kind of create more housing stock, I guess, if you will. Um, and the reality is, and we've learned through doing some of the consultation on these detached units, um, is that they're expensive to build. And again, you probably know uh, as well, if not better than I do, they're expensive to build. So they're not renting economically because you can't, first of all, it costs a fortune to buy the, the main parcel. And then by the time you do the renos and all the sort of things to do the, the second and or third suites, um, paving the driveway, all those sorts of things, they're not affordable because they can't carry affordable. So it's, um, so again, it's tricky. The planner of the day is a good service as well if someone is looking to do that. But, you know, first and foremost, it would be take a look at um, the, the, the newest uh, zoning provisions uh, before before people, because fundamentally the, the, I guess you would say everybody can have one, um, but not everybody can fit one, if that makes sense. I know there's been some concern with that new bylaw just in terms of the the reduced size of them making them kind yeah. of uh, unsuitable for a lot of investors to build just from a cost versus rent perspective right if they have to be so small they don't rent for enough they're not worth building um yeah. and as I, I'm, I'm obviously a lot of your job must be a give and take in terms of that whereas the of course the current community is not going to want something like that built in their backyard whereas the um you know the renter pool and the investors are certainly looking for more options right and we have for what as much as the housing um, shortage is in terms of available homes for sale in Barrie, the available rentals are, are even tighter right so uh, sure. trying to find that um 
sweet spot between not building things people don't necessarily want in their neighborhoods versus also building things that people need um, is, is definitely always a balance and a challenge. Yeah. And I mean, there's this philosophical, I mean, I saw something on our OPPI as our planning association had a guest speaker on inclusion and diversity about a year or so ago. And the one thing that she said, which kind of resonated with me, but it is a bit of a slippery slope where she was saying, you know, every time we come to a public meeting, as an example, you're basically asking the existing people in the neighborhood uh, if they're going to welcome new, if they're open to welcoming new neighbors and, you know, and fundamentally people kind of, you know, will say to me all the time, well, it's a townhouse or it's an apartment or it's a this. And I keep saying to people, but people are living there. It's a residential use, whether you're living in your single detached home or your semi or what have you, people are still living in townhouses. People are living in these low rise apartments. Um, So it's an interesting perspective of this kind of, you know, you're asking for people, um, asking people's opinions on whether or not they'll welcome new neighbors into their, in their community. And, you know, she's saying in the middle of a pandemic, nobody should be doing that. um, but again, obviously the public consultation is, isn't, is subscribed, but um, it's an interesting kind of concept of, uh, you know, what are the rights of the existing residents and the existing community and, and how much, you know, do they have to adapt and how much do they have to kind of welcome new people into their community? It's kind of an interesting, that would be a, a talk for another day, Luke, but it's, it's interesting, the thoughts of it. Yeah, I mean, we, we again we did one of these yesterday with uh, with Collingwood, and and one one of the, the funniest things that uh, or not funny, but one of the takeaways from it was he they said that they obviously had polled you know local neighborhoods in Collingwood, of, you know what kind of development are you expecting to see around here, and, and unanimously of course with single family detached homes, mm-hmm. but he said then they tracked where people were coming from that were buying in Collingwood and asked them you know mostly coming from downtown Toronto what you expect to be built, and they all said townhouses. Right. So nobody in Collingwood wanted a townhouse, but everybody who wanted to move to Collingwood wanted a townhouse. Right. So yeah. to try and balance that between your existing, you know, community members and neighborhoods uh, and still have the stock of inventory that people are looking to buy um, or is, you know. Well, and that's, and that's the reality. Like when we talk about, you know, fitting 150,000 more people into our municipal boundary for lack of, you know, that is going to look different than a whole bunch of single detached homes, right? So it is, um, and that's why I talk about kind of changing the face of the city, because not only is the built form changing, um, you know, as I said, hopefully our transportation patterns are changing and and the actual community is changing, um, but not everybody embraces change uh, in the same way. Absolutely. Well, we're coming just about on the full hour here. So I think we'll try to wrap it up, but I really appreciate you joining us. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Any parting words? No, just again, my, my thanks. And, uh, you know, uh, you can certainly find me. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm always happy to, to chat. I'm always happy to um, bounce ideas off of. I never, ever, ever feel bad about asking me something or calling me or emailing me or even reminding me if you've emailed me and you haven't heard back. Never, ever feel like, oh gosh, I'm bugging her. Ever, ever. It's purely, I say to people, it's purely time management and, and me getting through my inbox. So, uh, you know, if there is anything in particular, you know, if you're trying to get an answer for someone that's going to close a deal or what have you, I joke about it. I say, I'm just like Michelle Banfield, but sometimes people like to talk to the director. So if there's anything that I can do uh, for you guys in that context of, I can, I can get a meeting with the director if you want kind of thing. So don't, um, don't hesitate to, to do that. Um, and as I said, never, ever feel like um, you can't reach out. Or uh, again, if you have reached out and you haven't heard back, never feel bad about uh, reminding me. So, and again, just thank you. And thanks for the work you're doing. It's been a rough year for all of us, a rough year and a half. Uh, so as I said, yay, we're still standing. But as I said, uh, you know, please know that um, nothing that I do as a planning director 
director of development services, I can do alone. Uh, I need to have people coming into the city. I have, need to have people wanting to develop in the city. Um, and so you guys are such a huge part of that. Thank you so much for coming. We always appreciate what you have to say and talk to you again soon, hopefully in person one of these days. Yeah, anytime, anytime. It'd be fantastic. <laughs>